This is Jenny Bell from Clarington, Ohio, and I'm listening to Barbecue Central. Let's go! Do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe, happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to get in touch with the show this evening, if you'd like to follow the show socially, here's all that info. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter. By the way, you can subscribe to the newsletter over at the newly revamped thebbqcentralshow.com website to do that if you haven't already. And as a gift for signing up, you get my homemade barbecue sauce recipe, which I've said many times. You can claim solely as your own, take it to market, make millions, chip me off 30%. I believe that is fair in this business environment these days. After all, I did all the legwork. All you have to do is go into business and take that risk. And as a thanks, 30% back to me off the top line revenue here, folks. We're not nickel and diming on profit. I want top line. Anyway, outside of that, here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. What do we know about the world of live fire cooking here over the last three years and four years, potentially five years? One portion of this industry, one sector of this cooking landscape has been dominated and continues to gain in popularity with the griddle cooker or the flat top or the flat top griddle, whatever you want to call it. Freestanding cooking appliance with a flat top on it for smash burgers and such. It's captivated the consuming public. It's captivated the barbecue and grilling generation. And there's a number of different manufacturers out there right now. And tonight we will have a conversation with one of the upstarts, although they've been around for five or six years at this point, but really seen them come on the scene here over the last few years, especially with some help like darlings of the barbecue influencer community like Matt Pittman over at Meat Church. We will talk with Mac Plummer, who happens to be the founder and El Jefe of Loco Cookers. 11 minutes from now. 35 past the hour because it is the third Tuesday of a month. We will be joined by the creator of cookoutnews.com website. 
Wes Wright. There's plenty of business to talk about in the world of live fire, and Wes is all about it. Live local late breaking. That will wrap the first hour. We'll move to the second hour after that. And finally, after 18 years of doing this show, I will have him on what many consider to be the godfather of barbecue rub, the creator of the product called Butt Rub and the corresponding website, buttrub.com. Byron Chisholm joining me. I'm excited to talk to Byron for the first time here. We did a sound check earlier today, and he brought huge energy then when it didn't count. So when it counts... He's going to be bringing Maximo energy, which I'm certainly going to appreciate. So Byron Chisholm for the first time on this show, 14 past the second hour. And then we will close the show out with our quarterly guest and the Texas Monthly Barbecue Editor, Daniel Vaughn, on location across the nation. He has brought his mic with him. He has packed it in the bag. He'll be sounding loud and proud wherever he is. We'll get an update on that. We have plenty to talk about. With Daniel, not the least of which is the passing of two Texas barbecue giants in their own right. So we'll talk to Daniel about that, amongst other things. So that's how the show's laying out. Mac Plummer from Loco Cookers here shortly. Wes Wright after Mac. And then in the second hour, Byron Chisholm of Butt Rub and Daniel Vaughn closing out the show. Don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat at BBQ Central Show. We say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook or Twitch slash bbq central show to watch also you can take in the show via youtube which is youtube.com slash at bbq central show and of course we have a new youtube poll question of the week and i'm asking everybody this when it comes to brisket and ribs are you fatty and spares are you fatty and baby back are you lean and spares or are you lean and baby back and currently 75 percent of you that are voting say 75 say 75 percent of you say fatty and spares i'm with you that's me all day long fatty and spares love the fat content and all of those things and to me a properly expertly executed piece of fatty brisket few things compare in life to that except from a well-executed spare rib two of my favorite things no doubt so we will continue to track that. We'll ask all the guests here to show up here this evening, and we'll see where it lays out. By the way, last week's poll ended in a tie between sweet and savory and, or what was it, thick and thick and sweet and thin and vinegary. At the very end, it ended in a tie, so we'll have to repost that one down the road. Let's start here this evening. This is usually where we do a little recap and feedback from the show last week, which, by the way, it was a great show. Dave Raymond was tremendous first time on, technically second time on, but first time long form. Robert Moss was on fire. Grilling with Dad made his debut appearance on the show. And Mike McLeod from the World Food Championship dropped bombs as it relates to current and potential barbecue series. The one making the most noise through the week, of course, was the one related to Sam's Club. Everybody thinking that's going to be a reboot of what was happening with the KCBS years ago. More on that as it unfolds. But all of that pales in comparison to the news that I'm about to break here this evening. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Greg Raffi reporting for the breaking news desk here in Cleveland, Ohio. The city that breaks the most live fire breaking news across the nation. Nay, the globe. Coming in as an official press release below from none other than Meathead at AmazingRibs.com. And the subject is, and I quote, the Meathead Method book. 
will be delayed until spring of 2025. In a quote from Meathead, as you know, I have been working on a new book, The Meathead Method, for several years now and seven days a week for the last year. Last year, I signed up with HarperCollins. I wrote enough for two books and hoped HarperCollins would go for it. But supply chain issues have hit the publishing industry and management is concerned about how paper prices and printing costs could impact the book's price. So they have put a page count limit on the book. I'm working on making the cuts, but it's a big job. So we have decided to postpone the publication date of the book until spring 2025. Uh It takes about a year from first draft manuscript to get it edited, designed, printed, and and into distribution. As disappointed as I am, there is good news in this. It gives me time to polish a few things. Heck, I may just publish the Meathead Manifesto with the stuff I am cutting from the Meathead Method book. Yes, I am on the record as saying that the process is so difficult that the Meathead Method will be my last book. And I have said you and I have said that if you hear me saying I am working on another book, please shoot me. You may begin target practice now for those of you who tell me you are anxiously awaiting the Meathead Method book. So am I. Hang in there with me, please. Love and affection. Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Now, I'm sure all of you are just waiting and biding your time, ready for me to pile on here and give Meathead the what for and the business and all these other weird terms that people say or don't say anymore. But I'm not going to do that. I will afford Meathead the professional courtesy. He sent me this official press release. I don't know if it went out over PRWire.com or anything like that. I'm guessing not. It probably just came to me. So I'm sharing it with you in case you are one of the thousands or millions of people waiting for the Meathead Method book. It will be delayed. And when Meathead shows up on the second Tuesday of next month, then... We will talk all about what's going on and if there's anything behind the scenes, subterfuge being run, who knows? But we will ask all of those questions with all of the sharpened points over the next few weeks as I craft them. We will have Meathead on this show and he will answer them. He will not rebuff me. He will answer, no doubt. So if you're wondering how the process is going with the Meathead Method book, there you have it, a live update. Mac Plummer is coming up next. Before we talk with Mac, I'll talk to you about Pits and Spits. Let me ask you something. Are you tired of settling for mediocre grilling experiences? Yeah, of course you are. You're listening to this show. You've decided to step the game up. Well, it's time to step the backyard game up as well and bring ultimate flavor and cook to the backyard barbecues across the nation. Pits and Spits Charcoal Grills offering the highest quality live fire cooking experience that you can get in the market today using either wood or charcoal. Their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when it's time to fire up the grill in the backyard and cook for those family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can raise and lower the fire to control that fine-tuned heat temp. It's like their take on the very popular Santa Maria-style grills that you're seeing out there in the market today. However... This one's just got a nice little wheel that raises and lowers the fuel drawer. How nice is that? Of course, you know the quality is insane. 
not only will it be around for your life, but however many kids you have, they're all going to be fighting over who gets it bequeathed to them. And then your grandchildren are going to be fighting over it as well. It's an heirloom piece that gets handed down from generation to generation. Check them out at pitsandspits.com slash Show. And if you pull the trigger on one of those sweet-ass charcoal cookers, use the code CHARCOALCENTRAL. That's right, CHARCOALCENTRAL for 150 bucks off any grill. That's pitsandspits.com slash Central. And remember, the pits and the spits is spelled with the double T on the pits and the double T on the spits. Pitsandspits.com slash Show. We are back to talk flat-top griddle cookers with Matt Plummer. Right after this, stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. You visit CookinPellets.com and check out all their flavors and then go to Lowe's.com or Walmart.com or Amazon.com and get great shipping rates on 40-pound bags of cooking pellets by brand of choice, CookinPellets.com. Long-time sponsor of this show. Gang, one thing we know for sure is that griddle cooking is not just a flash in the pan. Indeed, it is big business, and it appears to be here to stay. And stay in a big way. We'll talk more about that with Wes Wright here in just a little bit later on in the show. But right now, we're going to talk to someone who is bringing his own brand to market. We'll learn all about the lion and how it differs from the growing number of other griddles available for sale as well. First-time guest joining me here on the show is Mac Plummer. Hey, Mac, how are you, pal? Hey, what's up, Greg? How's it going? Let's go with the YouTube poll question of the week, Mac. Let's go. When it comes to brisket and ribs, are you fatty and spares? lean in spares or are you fatty and baby back or lean and baby back uh there is nothing about the lean part that i'm really into so it's definitely fatty uh and i could do either way but uh i would say probably fatty and spares fatty and spares that's right well good news 69% 69% of the YouTube voting public agrees with you and me. Fatty and Spares has a 23% coming in at Fatty and Baby Back, and then Lean and Baby Back has 8%. I can't believe somebody listening to my show would choose Lean and Baby Back. Right. But, hey, everybody like- has an opinion. Everybody has a vote here. We don't shit on anybody too much, but we'll uh, move away no. from there. Let's go ahead. Hey, before we get into Griddle Talk specifically, let's get a little background on you. Are you somebody that has always been in the live fire industry in some form or fashion? Yeah, for uh, almost 20 years at this point, I guess. Um, so I've been around a lot. <clears throat> and then, you know, as a kid growing up uh, in the southeast, uh, around uh, cooking in the backyard, uh, either my dad, my uncle's uh, family. So, yeah, it's always been a part of my life. Um, 
probably some of my best memories have been in the backyard uh, around a fire of some point, around a grill of some point. Um, <clears throat> some of the best stories that, you know, hey, don't tell mom, those kind of stories uh, as a little kid. And, uh, and some of the best food also. You know, a lot of times my experience as a kid was we had some of the best uh, meat around the uh, grill before it ever got to the table mm. with everybody else. You know what I mean? Uh, professionally similar or did you do other careers prior to Loco? Yeah, so uh, I actually cut my teeth um, in this industry at Masterbuilt. I was a Masterbuilt for nine and a half years. Uh, John is Macklemore, still a good friend of mine. Um, know the family really well, very close to them. And, um, <clears throat> you know, they hired me uh, probably before it made a lot of sense to even hire me. Um, I'm not sure I brought a lot to the table in the beginning. You know what I mean? That's why I always thank John. Hey, man, thank you for taking a risk on me. Uh, I'm not sure I would have done the same, but uh, – Good people worked there, had an awesome success story. You know John very well. I know yep. you've had him on the show, him and his son, J2. And um, <clears throat> great people, learned a tremendous amount and uh, took a hiatus for about a year uh, with a hunting company before I uh, started Loco. So it's been a pretty fun ride. Loco's six years old as of last month, Greg. When you look back at the time at Masterbuilt, you said you learned a lot. Is there one or two things that really stick out to you that you learned from John or that John – mentored you on that you carry today yeah you know there were um there were many things one uh one of the things i've always really appreciated about john is he just had a um just a zeal for everything that he got into and he would rally the troops around what he wanted to do and you know i i think i've told you before actually he would sort of will things into happening and i mean that in a good way uh, he would say hey this is what we're going to do and then he would make it happen um, with a good team, we had really good products. It was a good time. You know, the, um, the electric smoker was sort of new. It was kind of like the, it was really before pellets even were, um, were on track line or really even by was following that kind of business. And so, uh, it was a lot of fun and <clears throat> we did a lot of really fun things. And so I learned that. And then also, um, you know, just how to, how to build a brand. Uh, I think he and uh, his team was really good at building a brand some things outside of uh, the norm um it was my first experience for example uh on uh, live tv qvc for example uh live radio um did a ton of radio advertising which i thought was brilliant because back at that time it was really before there's a lot of serious xm yep. radio and so you had a captive audience and at the time of year when we would buy that those radio spots we weren't really competing with a lot of people because it was a times a year where it wasn't, you know, big holidays, that kind of thing. It was really, it's kind of cheap advertising. So, uh, that, and then also, um, just, you know, the may whole manufacturing process. And, um, I got to go to China for the first time. I think I went 20 times maybe with Masterbuilt to China <laughs> and I've been 20 times since, which is kind of funny, um, uh, with, for Loco. So you said, so, uh, you know, uh, you've been in business ahead. for six years. Six years, yep. What's the meaning Six years. behind the name? I look at Loco, and quickly I assume it means something about being crazy or maybe you're taking this wild risk, whatever. But is there something behind Loco other than just seeing a name and associating with, with crazy? So it's funny. Internally, uh, we have a number of things we talk about on our team that's uh, you know uh, internal text chains and email chains. And we do uh, we say, hey, we have a Loco idea. And that's when we know that, you know, if I say that or my partner Blake says that, <clears throat> our team kind of takes a deep breath because, okay, what are we going to do now? Um, but uh, Loco actually came from a short for low country, 
And so the first product that we actually made was a crawfish boiler. Um, and you know, if you're not really, uh, in the crawfish area of the company or the country, uh, you low country boil, right? You can use shrimp instead of crawfish. Uh, and so, um, that's kind of where the name came from. It's much cooler today than it was the day we came up with loco. Like you and I talked about, uh, you know, at first it was like, okay, it's a funny name, but it doesn't mean anything. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a really fun ride. Um, you know, six years and, um, I feel like we're just getting started in a lot of ways. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. You had mentioned during our sound check that you had some really great relationships over at Lowe's when you were originally going into some of those, you know, big box retailers with that loco type uh, products with the, the the broil or boil fry steam uh, stuff that we had talked boil about. Fry steam, yeah. Did you envision Loco's success? This is just an overall question. Did you envision the company's success being tied to some huge retailer like this? Well, you know, it's funny because, um, so when I started at Masterbuilt, <clears throat> John, uh, and, and our general manager at the time, uh, had really good relationships at QVC and at Lowe's. And those were at the time, the two big customers for Masterbuilt. And I came back from a trip and I told my wife when I first started working, I said, well, this is either going to go really well or I'm going to get fired quickly. And <laughs> she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, they gave me the two accounts that John and the general manager handled themselves. And so I said, it's time to get to work. And so I, I spent a lot of time in Mooresville, <clears throat> met a lot of really, really fine people in Mooresville, still have a lot of really close friendships. Uh, in fact, when we, when we turned six, you know, it's, uh, I, I, when it's funny how I guess people get notified of an anniversary for, you know, work for LinkedIn or whatever. And I just got blown up and probably half of them were my, my buddies at Lowe's. A couple of them are retired now, some of the senior guys, but, uh, yeah, really good relationships uh, there. And I, that's what I did for Masterbuilt. That's what I did for John. So, uh, you know, I built, uh, there was a time when we almost bought a house in Mooresville or that area, and then almost bought an apartment in uh, Westchester, PA for QVC. And mm -hmm. that's really where I spent most of my uh, relationship equity, relational equity, if you will, building relationships with, you know, top to bottom with those two organizations. And, um, and, and, and it paid off. I mean, Master had a really good product at a really good time, and uh, we fit a need. Uh, and it was it's just a lot of fun. You make a interesting move. So you have great success with that initial equipment line that Lowe's is uh, taking for you, and then griddles are coming up. So I guess two part question: what What are you seeing in the environment that says we need to start to think about getting a griddle online? And then why isn't it being offered to Lowe's? Why is it at Home Depot now? Well, it's interesting. Um, so Lowe's got behind us in a big way for boil fry steam. And that was a huge success. Um, you know, we replaced a brand that had been in there for years and, um, we had, we, we had a different twist. So everything that we, we do, we try to do it better. So in a good, better, best, we, we really kind of want to own the better. And so internally, another one of our little things is if we can't do it better, we're not going to do it. And so in boil fry steam, we did that. Anyway, I mean, we have a turkey fryer that has more technology than any turkey propane turkey fryer that's ever been made. And that's not a business that a lot of other companies wanted to go after, but we saw it as an opportunity as a brand building opportunity to get into a major big box retailer. And for us, if we could break even, which is hard to make any money in propane turkey fryers, um, <laughs> except the retailer, the retailer is allowed to do that. But, um, because it's not just, it's, it's, uh, you know, traditionally there's a premonition about frying turkeys, um, you know, uh, 
in your garage, in your house, burning down the house, that kind of thing. <clears throat> well, we, we came up with the technology that actually, uh, you know, makes it, uh, a lot safer and easier to do that. And so, um, that, that allows us to get in and, and really have a ton of success. And then as we were growing the whole time we were working on griddles. So griddles have, it's not a new thing. You yep. know, Blackstone has done a really, really good job <clears throat> of building what I call sort of primary demand for this type of cooking. And, um, and I think that Blackstone has a fine product also. Um, we thought that there was an opportunity to, uh, you know, make it better. And, uh, one of the ways to make it better was to try to solve the, what, what we affectionately call griddle creep, which is if you put your griddle on low, no matter where you live over time, because the nature of the product and how it's, you know, uh, uh, what it is, it's just, it'll get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter, even on a low setting. And so our idea was, well, what if you could set a temperature on the griddle on the surface of the griddle and it would maintain that temperature, whether you lived in, you know, Albuquerque or Seattle or Mobile or New York city. And that's what we went after. And it took a while actually for us to, to really work out the kinks in that. Um, and we were probably two years later in releasing that. <clears throat> and, you know, it's funny, Greg, we asked about the whole Lowe's connection. I think if we had been able to release it, uh, when we wanted to initially, then maybe it would have turned out differently. But by the time we were able to relate, uh, to release it, uh, Lowe's had, you know, um, they had formed a partnership with Blackstone and, um, and by the same token, we, when we went to meet with Home Depot, they said, we're in, we want it all. And so, uh, Lowe's wasn't able to say they want it all because of the Blackstone relationship. And so it, it was just one of those, um, you know, we, we don't take a lot of credit for it. If I'm being frank, uh, we just feel like it was, uh, we had a good product at the right time and we were able to take advantage of it. When you talk about this unique feature, the, the smart temp technology that you have on the griddles, how does it happen? Uh, I mean, I'm as dumb as they come, so I, I'm akin to believe that regardless of what technology you have or what separators, you know, Traeger talks about having these three separate zones, I, I don't see anything separating them. So any heat underneath it, like you were talking about the griddle creep, to me, it seems like that would just go across from one manufacturer to the next. So how do you prohibit that? Well, so uh, it's funny that you say that because now we're working on a whole campaign to actually show people we're calling it under the hood. Um, Perfect. And it shows you how you, yeah, it shows people just like you and, and probably a lot of other people, well, how do you do it? And, and, and hey, full disclosure, I asked our engineers, okay, how are we doing this? <laughs> like, how does it happen? You know what I mean? Uh, because my discipline is is really more the marketing, the branding, the sales side. And Blake, his discipline is more the uh, technology, product development, and sourcing. And so um, I asked him, I said, dude, how, okay, that's awesome. And how are we going to do that? And a lot of it is the dividers. And now ours underneath are welded into the bottom of the, uh, the griddle top itself. Um, but we're actually going to have a whole campaign that's going to start on social media, uh, showing people how it happens. And we actually... This is probably uh, a new development. It's not in the market yet. We have a version two coming out that I won't talk too much in detail about, but it actually, when it's on this, on the floor in the Home Depot, will have uh, the griddle top lifted up. So the average consumer, and we'll have POP underneath the griddle top that shows how it does what it does. Is it only available in Home Depot? Can you get it online? You can get it online. Yep. 
Uh, but uh, same models you know, across the, across retailers, whether it's online or at Home Depot, doesn't matter. It's not like uh, Home Depot gets a HD version. No, 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 they don't. Um, but uh, it's Home Depot, Bass Pro Cabela's, um, uh, Ace Hardware. So um, those are those are sort of our um, our anchor retail partners, if you will. Uh, brand retailers that I have a ton of experience with. They seem like a good fit to do what we're doing uh, and a good, better, best. Um, and I'll tell you this, a lot of people are coming out with griddles. You made that, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that remark also. And we had an opportunity years ago to come out with a griddle and just put the loco badge on it. And it would have been just like everybody else's griddle, but we don't really feel like that's what consumers are looking for. Um, because if you're going to look for that, you might as well just buy a Blackstone because they are the brand. Right. Um, so we said, Hey, if we're going to put our, our badge on it, it's going to be different. Uh, you know, Traeger, uh, their griddle. Uh, it had to be different to have the Traeger badge on it, you know? And so we're, we like to, uh, you know, relate ourselves a little bit more closely to Traeger, uh, in the grilling world for mass market. Um, it's, it's a brand we really, uh, think are, are doing the right things. Um, and so, but again, I, th I would say they're closer to the best than the better and good, better, best. What are the temperature variants on the burners? So low is, uh, about 225. Uh, and then sear is um, 500 plus. And then you are you in increments of 5, 10, 25, 50? Yep. Five, uh, five, five degree increments on wow. the uh, the version we have in the market right now. Yep. Now, if you go to local So like cookers, for example. Yeah, go ahead. Pancakes. Pancakes, 350. Right? That's my setting for pancakes. Bacon is 275. And that may not seem like a big difference, 75 degrees. Nope. Bacon took, takes the longest of anything you ever cook on the griddle, in my experience anyway. But I always do my bacon first because it seasons the griddle. And anything else that I cook after the bacon is going to taste amazing because, I mean, who doesn't love bacon? No doubt. Uh, but you got to do the bacon right, and you got to do the bacon first. And there's no better way to, ha to eat bacon than off a griddle, in my opinion. If you go to LocoCookers.com and you click on the flagship product, the 36-inch griddle, you have a couple really good reviews right up there, and then all of a mm -hmm. sudden we go to wanted to love it, and then whatever the sob story is. Poor execution on a good-looking mm -hmm. griddle, two stars. One star, don't <clears throat> buy this in all caps. One star, horrible. <laughs> One star, really bad grill. What's going on with this? And why are they still on the website? How dare you be so ethical? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Greg, what you got to remember is we're a young company. And, uh, and to play with these big boys, you got to have thick skin. And, um, you know, there's a lot of brand presence around some of these other these brands. And there's some pretty, you know, big loyalists, right? Mm. Um, and so it's uh, you should almost expect that. And if you uh, we actually reach out to all those consumers that write even the poor reviews because we want to know, hey, what actually happened? What is sometimes we don't get in touch with them, you know, shocker. Sometimes, uh, they're not available. Um, they just wanted to leave a bad review. Sometimes they're not verified purchases, but, but there are sometimes people get a product and they truly do have a bad experience. And that sucks, man. It sucks when everybody has a bad experience because that's not the expectation. The expectation is you buy our product. You have a great, you know, but the reality of it is, you know, you can buy a brand new Mercedes and you can have a bad, you know, experience with a brand new Mercedes. Um, so we just want to, as we grow and we get more presence, I mean, the, as the volume gets bigger, you know, 
we, we, we want to eliminate mistakes. You're not ever going to eliminate all the mistakes, but at least minimize them. Right. And when I was a kid, my dad, when he taught me how to hunt and how to, you know, shoot a gun is aim small, miss small. And so that's kind of how we, you know, that's, that's kind of our theory is, Hey, let's aim small, miss small. Well, now we're sort of at the dance, if you will. Um, and we're at all the, you know, we're, we're basically in the retailers we want to be in strategically, and we're going to grow with those retailers. We're not going to sell to every retailer, but our, our goal is the same. And so it's really hard when you have, as a young company, six years old, and a retailer says, hey, we want you to make a smoker, and we want to put it in every single store we have. And they have hundreds and hundreds of stores, right? It's really hard to sit back and go, I can ship it next fall. And they're like, no, no, no. Like we want it in the store next fall. Like it's, we want it in the store in, you know, September of 2024. That's the hardest part about what we do in the mass market is to say, we're with you. We appreciate it. We want to have it in there, but we, we won't have it down until next fall. We can't ship it until next fall. Are you in a position to say no? Do you feel because oh, yeah. you're, you're <clears throat> tied into this particular retailer, maybe only half? you know, four or five of them, when you're a company that's growing, you're six years old. And yeah. if you have four or five accounts, you lose one. That's a big deal. I mean, that's a fifth of the business. So are you allowed to say no, because that's not your core competency? hundred percent. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny that you say, are you allowed to say no? I think that's a really funny way to look at it because <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, most of the time you want to say yes. And look, I'm a salesman, right? I, I mean, that, that's really probably what I'm the best at is, is selling. And it's hard to say no, but if you look at the long term, where do you want your company to be? We have we have no goals for a revenue projection, anything like that. Sure, we have internal goals we want to hit every year. We want to grow revenue, we want to grow profitability, but we don't have a goal like we want to be a you know four hundred million dollar company in two years, right? Um, and we're not today. Just before you ask, <laughs> but um, but but we do want to grow and. But at the end of the day, we want to create products that when people see the loco badge on it, they think, okay, I got to check this out because they must have thought of something that I need in the backyard. Mm. That's the ultimate goal. Um, and I think over time, if we do it right, and, and, and I hope we are doing it right, that consumers will realize that it may not be perfect every single time, you know, 10 out of you know, a thousand, you know, people may hate us, right? But the vast majority of people will think, you know what, but those are good guys. And if there is an issue, they stand behind it and they do most of what they do really, really, really well. <laughs> and we've seen that in boil fry steam. And uh, as we get into the griddle category, which we are now, and then we do have a charcoal kettle grill that's in uh, every Home Depot. And we have a smoker coming out actually next fall. We are going to ship it next fall. Uh, but we've been working like it's, it's, it's a good example. We've been working on that smoker for three years now. <laughs> legit three years um just tweaking it trying to get it just right and we're really really close and we should be able to ship it next fall so that that's probably the hardest thing is you have this great idea like you and i are drinking a beer in your backyard and you're like mac this is what you should do i'm like yeah man we should do it it might be two and a half years before we even ship it you know and then i'm like greg you remember that no i don't remember anything you know <laughs> like it's been two and a half years yeah uh, Mac Plummer joining us here on the show, and the website is lococookers.com. So the good news is this. We have plenty to talk about the next time you're on. We talk about that charcoal grill. Obviously, we'll talk about that smoker as well for the barbecue fans. And I uh, certainly yeah, appreciate man. you coming on for the first time here. Give us a little background about yourself and talking about the griddle cookers. And we'll do it again soon. Appreciate the time. 
Awesome, Greg. Thanks, man. You Have a good night. Matt Plummer right there, breaking it all down as it relates to the flat tops and standing up to those reviews that are left right on the website there. I'm sure a lot of companies would feel obligated almost, uh, even internally, just to go scrub those off, especially if they've reached out and tried to make it right, found out that they were maybe just there to cause trouble versus anything else. However, they're up there, and he's ready to talk about it. So impressive that he's standing up to those and owning it. If you are interested, LocoCookers.com on the website, that 36-incher is currently sold out. At least that's what it says on the website. So not sure when they'll show back up, but you might want to call your Home Depot that's local to you and see if they got one there if you're interested in it. Wes Wright is ready to rock and roll here, so we will reload and be back in one second. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we're back. We thank Mac Plummer from Loco Cookers joining us last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. You know what? I'm throwing this read out. Forget it. We're talking about the Fireboard Spark here tonight. I'm using it five times a week. I'm using inside, outside. The instant read meat thermometer is incredibly legit. I checked it in boiling water and in cold, so I know that the temperature swings are there where they need to be. And the fact that it is a also a one-channel Fireboard is incredibly convenient. So as long as you have the probe, stick it in one end, stick it in the meat, and away you go. I mean, it's got timers. You can do all sorts of things with this. So at 150 bucks, I mean, what are you waiting for? Hurry up, get it, replace everything else you got. It's great. Love the spark from Fireboard. Fireboard.com is the place to go to get yours. My next guest tonight, the creator of cookoutnews.com and the third Tuesday of the month regular guest. Of course, we are welcoming back Wes Wright to the show. Wes, before we get going here this evening, we have a YouTube poll question of the week, as always. So we're wondering where you might fit in on this question. When it comes to brisket and ribs, are you fatty and spares, fatty and baby back, or lean and baby back, or lean and spares? Um, I like lean and spares. Yeah? Yeah. Lean. Oh. 63% of the voting public are fatty and spares. I fall into that category. And fatty and baby back is coming in second at 26%. Lean and baby back, 11%. And 0% are saying lean and spare. <laughs> Except you. <laughs> Except me. That's right. One of a kind. Officially announced uh, two weeks ago, and we've been talking about it in secret for what appears to be like two months, but we had maybe talked about it last month, but officially made public the sale of Danson's Grills to W.C. Bradley. Of course, uh, brands that you would know include Charbroil, Saber, Oklahoma Joe's and the list goes on. How do both sides benefit from this transaction? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, with 
on on the WC Bradley side where they were, I would say weak is in the pellet grill category. You know, they had the rider, but it didn't seem like it had a huge market share. Um, and that's really what the Danson's grills were all about is, you know, they're, they make, you know, they, I think they have a gas grill too, but it's, it's 90% pellet grills. So it, for, for WC Bradley, it shores up that section of the market market. And for Danson's, you know, I just had this gut feeling and I mentioned it a couple of times in your show that, uh, they probably or possibly had some financial issues. Um, so I think for them, you know, this is a way out somebody with deeper pockets that can shoulder whatever burden they were, were dealing with. Two questions to follow up on that. Where do you think this slots WC Bradley in relation to the other big companies in today's live fire landscape? So, you know, they don't release financials, but I had seen information that Weber was about, you know, not quite twice as big as, as Charbroil alone. Uh, so you factor in those other brands, I, you know, I'd say they're, you know, a couple hundred million, maybe under Weber. That's my just, you know, back the envelope math. When you have a buy and a sell, do you think WCB eliminates anyone at Danson's or just to like use their own people going forward? Or have you heard anything about that? I haven't heard anything that, I mean, that is the unfortunate part of, of an acquisition. It's, it's bad, but there's good elements to it. It's bad, obviously, because they have, you know, Danson's is based out of Arizona, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they have to decide if it makes sense to have, you know, a separate headquarters out there. There's, I'm sure layers of management or whatever that don't make sense to have at both brands or even, you know, multiple when it comes to Danson's. Um, so, you know, there may be some, some overlap that they get rid of, but it, I mean, as a result too, you, you know, the flip side of that coin is it's a stronger company now too, is that, you know, it'll emerge from this where it could have possibly had other, you know, worse consequences otherwise. Last time you were on the show, I asked you how many grill companies were in financial distress. Uh, you just kind of touched on it a second ago. It appears that Danson's might've been one of them. Do you think that they might've fell victim to believing that the level of buying during the pandemic was going to stick. That was now table stakes. Yeah, I, I think so. Absolutely. It, it seemed like they were ramping up production and then all of a sudden they were, you know, they never officially announced it, but I saw enough evidence online that they were doing layoffs and things like that. As soon as the market turned, which to me, that means you didn't plan it correctly because otherwise you would have assumed the market would have gone down and you would have staffed accordingly. On the Bradley side, you talked about the Ryder DLX pellet cooker not catching on. Why not? I have two in my backyard, and like it's really good. It doesn't have a lot of tech, but it's a robust build. It works great. The searing option, like the the handle that opens or closes the direct access to the firebox, works really well. I think when it's in smoke mode and you have something on the bottom grate over the top of the firebox. I can run a little hot, but if you know how to finagle it a little bit, that thing is a solid cooker for, you know, 1100 bucks or less. Yeah, it, it looks nice. I don't, I don't know if they marketed it appropriately originally because, you know, they don't have, like with some of the other makers, they don't have the, it in, in any of the big box stores that I can think of. Um, at least I don't think they sell them through Lowe's, which is, would be the logical place for them. Um, so, you know, where, where do you see them really? 
you know, I, you just don't see them around. I never saw anyone that bought one. So I just don't, I don't think they, they put enough behind it to compete with what Traeger was doing, you know, and they were really catching fire and, and found some great brand identity. Wes Wright joining us here on the show, cookoutnews.com's website, which you should be frequenting multiple times a week. I always say Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, if not every day. You put out an article on the 14th going over a number of barbecue and grilling statistics on various topics. The survey was created by uh, Butcher Box, which is like a, a custom meat ordering thing. So obviously they were doing some information gathering about the environment or, uh, you know, the particular industry. And some of the lead stats were 38% of people grill year round. Is this a, a higher or lower number than you thought? Um, I, I think it's probably a little higher than I thought, yep. you know, but at, at, at the same time though, you know, especially when you consider the holidays, Traeger has been saying that some of their biggest usage days are like Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and things like that. So, you know, there are, are people doing it. It, it, you know, part of the country also doesn't get as bitterly cold as it does up here, but, um, you know, and then even beyond just year round people that stretch it beyond that, you know, Memorial day to labor day thing. It's a lot of people that, that go beyond that. The other stat that jumped out was that 77% of people polled want to grill more than they already do. What's the fix to converting that? Like that seems like such an odd stat to put out. <laughs> yeah. It, and it's a blend there. Some were that they associate grilling with, uh, you know, gatherings or something like that. So some of that is, is just messaging and marketing that you can use it for more than that. And I, I think there is still a segment of the populations that that's just overall intimidated by using the grill and they're, you know, not confident that they'll, cook the way that they want. So that's a lot of that's the grill companies have to do uh, more with, with getting the word out that it, you know, it doesn't have to be so scary. And, you know, especially with all the connected grilling and, you know, a lot of them just basically do it for you. So some of that's messaging on, on the grill company's part. There's a portion of the survey on what grills and smokers people owned. And this is people that actually took part in the survey and it breaks it down charcoal grill slash smoker, gas grill slash smoker, pellet grill, Kamado grill, electric, portable, flat top, and other. From the survey and the figures above, I was most surprised to see the low percent of ceramic cooker owners. What does the ceramic grill industry as a whole need to do in order to boost the image or at least become less stale? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one, you know, and I, I was thinking about that too. You know, like if you were going to recommend a, a grill to somebody, who who's the person that you recommend a Kamado grill to? I have to say this, and I'm not being uh, antithetical just to be it. Uh, it's like the first one I mentioned. I mentioned ceramic cooker, typically Primo first, uh, you know, sponsor of the show, of course. But I say, look, if you're going to get into it and you like charcoal, then the best thing to get is going to be a ceramic cooker because in essence, you're buying two cookers in one. What do I mean by that? You can get low and slow, and it holds really well, 225, 250, whatever, for your traditional barbecue stuff. Or if you want to go ahead and rip it, roar, do the searing and all that stuff on steaks other than cuts, then you also have a really great ability at doing that. You can also get accessories to help you manage that fire if you don't want to learn it. And if you can get over that initial shock of price tag because it's not $200 like a Weber kettle grill, then you 
and you have two grills in one. So it's literally when people ask me what grill should I buy, it's one of the first two that I throw out is a, is a ceramic cooker, which probably isn't what normal people would do. But I'm also afraid that if I'm the only one doing it, it's certainly not he- uh, helping the staleness disappear. Yeah. I mean, I guess the way that I think about it is somebody that's new, new to out, outdoor cooking. Right. And they, you know, if they want a grill, they want hot and fast, uh, you know, you go gas, electric, charcoal, you know, depending on what you want, low and slow, if they're new to it, you know, I got to say pellet grill because <laughs> that's, it's so easy. And I, I think that those companies have done such a good job saying, this is easy. You get great flavor. It's wood fired flavor. You know, you don't, you can just, you don't have to worry about fire management. Hmm. So, you know, you don't need the time that it takes to, to do that. Could I make an argument that if Primo or Kamado Joe could better leverage social media or new media in general, they could jump big green egg pretty quickly as the market leader? Yeah, I, I, I'd be curious. I, I haven't seen any stats on where, you know, the market share within Kamado grills, but I, I'd be real interested to see, you know, how neck and neck that is. Um, but yeah, there's definitely opportunity if you're only at a, you know, whatever it was, six, 7% share of the overall market. Yeah. There's opportunity to be overtaken there. And none of them seem to leverage. Uh, so outside of Jack Arnold, who's most associated with big green egg, I don't even know if you're familiar with that name or not. I don't know. I couldn't sit here and mention any type of social media campaign or influencer that uses any ceramic cooker of note that helps them even start to to promote uh, to to uh, attain that influencer title. Yeah, I I don't see much on social media either. Um, it seems like just as a you know as a brand, Big Green Egg, and I, I've had amazing food off off of Kamado yeah. Grill. No denying that the the. Uh, you know, it's all about the history and, you know, it's, it has such a strong following. I think that can almost be intimidating to other people too. But yeah, I think if you had more outreach through social media or, or something like that to show people, you know, making great food and, and talk about the qualities that make it superior, I think, you, you know, you, that's definitely something there. Do you ever see them getting 25% of the market? I think that'd be pretty tough with, <laughs> with how much, you know, like griddles are exploding and, you know, with pellet grills. Um, and, and two, what I've heard from people is specifically with big green egg is, you know, the founder is, has been around for a long time and they're, you know, we're kind of waiting to see what happens with that company as a whole. Wes Wright joining us here on the show, cookoutnews.com, his website. I don't know if you saw it or not, but uh, Yeti and Butter Pat, which is a cast iron pan manufacturer, joined forces and released a quickly sold out four hundred dollar. I don't know if it was a twelve inch cast iron pan or not, yeah. uh, but but the non branded Yeti Butter Pat similar pan is like three hundred and fifty bucks. So, are we paying fifty bucks more for the Yeti name, and now you can cook bacon on the Yeti pan next to your Yeti tumbler full of mimosa? <laughs> It, it does seem that way. The one that is made by Butterpad Industries is re- remarkably similar to the Yeti one. I don't know how it's different. It might have a, you know, other than the logo. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's well out of my price range for a skillet. I, you know, just get some lodge um, that works fine for me. If I was maybe a, you know, 
multiple tax brackets up and i wanted a beautiful cast iron pan because i mean there's no denying that thing it's it says it's, it's smooth like perfectly on the bottom it's, like it's the, perfectly the cast smooth, iron that i'm yeah. getting now like if i go to lodge or the sam the cooking guy one that i have um that he sent me it's a little uh it's got texture on the bottom but my yeah. grandfather's uh, wagner that i got from him um after he passed away out of the house that has a, a like a real smooth bottom which i certainly appreciate but Maybe that just costs more in manufacturing to make a, a smoother bottom than one that's got texture. That must be a cheaper way to do it. Yeah, I think too. It's with the, how the industry's progressed because that was the how that butter pad industries they were founded because a guy broke his grandma or great grandma's cast iron pan from the late eighteen hundreds or something mm -hmm. like that, and so he wanted to find a replacement and he couldn't find any that were similar in build to the way they used to build them. So they had to go through and prototype for years on new foundry methods that didn't exist anymore to create them. And they had to come up with their own just to mimic that style. Wes, last question. When we talk about outdoor heating, you have fire pits, you have the liquid propane heat umbrellas, as I call them. And uh, then you have the emergence of the pellet stove outside timber products makes a, a really elite version. I had Tyson Traeger on a couple of weeks ago. He sent me one uh, that we were able to put together over the weekend used one time and seems to work really well. What do you think this sector of the market is? Is this something that's going to continue to grow or is it only, does it have a ceiling of success? I think it'll continue to grow more than it is. It seems like we're seeing more and more manufacturers with them, but it's kind of, you know, it's it's good for everyone if it succeeds because it's it's a big big factor as it lengthens the grilling season that we talked mm -hmm. about earlier you know if you're more comfortable outside you're more likely to buy other products like a solo stove you know they have the solo stove tower too and you know you're more likely to grill and things like that so i i think that there's more opportunity you know with what they have especially um, with, with some of the pellet varieties that are supposed to have wider ranges and, you know, throw off more BTUs. Any breaking news to happen before the week closes? Um, let me think. Uh, I don't think that, I mean, I never know until it's last minute or I wouldn't say never. I usually don't know until it's last minute, but not that I, that I'm aware of. All right. So do this, check cookoutnews.com and then you will learn when I do on when the top news is breaking. And then if you miss it, of course, then you can catch Wes right here third Tuesday of every month here at 35 past the first hour. Wes, always appreciate the time and the information. We'll see you again in July. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. You got it. Wes Wright. What do you guys think? What does the ceramic cooker market need to do in order to get up with Whatever the most popular cookers are right now, 55% of people in this poll have a charcoal grill or smoker. 49% of people polled have a gas grill or smoker. And then it drops down fairly considerably from there. 18, almost 19% have an electric grill. 14% have a flat top and 15% have a pellet cooker, which both double up, uh, even more double up than the 6% that have a Kamado grill or smokers. So that's a bit shocking. That, that's not encompassing the whole live fire, but are those people polled? 6% of Kamado or ceramic cookers. That was shocking to me. Speaking 
of ceramic cookers. You need to get behind Primo. Hurry. Pronto. What do we love about ceramic cookers? Like I was telling Wes just a minute ago. We love that you can get low and slow for barbecue. We love that you can get rip-roaring hot for high grilling temperatures of steaks and other thin cuts. But in your round ceramic cookers, getting a two-zone fire that you really want hard. Why? Because it's round. Enter Primo Cookers and the game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. When you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to configure the Primo Cooker so you're only limited by your culinary imagination. They have all the accessories that you want now. A pizza grill. Pizza grill. Yeah. A a Primo grill pizza accessory. A Primo grill rotisserie. They also have the new griddle insert. They have a lot of things going on right now. You need to be keeping up with what's happening at Primo because they're now introducing accessories at breakneck speed. Oh, by the way, they have that big customer appreciation and employee appreciation thing happening that first weekend in September, like the 8th and 9th, I believe. So you want to keep information and your tabs open for that. That's something you might want to consider attending, but we'll talk to uh, Nick Bauer about that before it actually happens. And... We'll be back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. We thank Wes Wright for joining us the last segment, cookoutnews.com. Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue weighing in. I think every real man needs to have a Weber kettle, a pellet smoker, a ceramic grill, a flat top, and an offset smoker. No doubt. I say start with the offset smoker and then work your way down. Also, in many interviews that I've done, both for radio and other podcasts, I'd say... Weber Kettle might be the one you want to start with. That's the one that a lot of people start with. And the, I consider that to be the gateway drug into more live fire cooking. You can do high heat cooking with that. You can do smoke roasting that Stephen Reichland talks about. You can also really work it into a low and slow cooker. You can achieve 250, 275 temperatures in there if you build the fire the right way. So you can try your hand at a pork butt or a couple slabs of ribs, brisket if you want to, especially if you get the bigger 26-inch grill, if they have those still. Ranch kettle, if you have $1,000 and you're ready to spend it. I say ranch kettle, and then immediately I'm taken back to a post that Adam Perry Lang did about a week ago where he's got like 40 tomahawk steaks that he's searing and I gotta remember to ask Meathead about this Uh, Adam Perry Lang is trying to change the lexicon and live fire cooking he says you know what reverse sear is inaccurate don't say reverse sear he's calling it the reverse Maillard (laughs) look I'm, I'm not about to question the, uh, the cooking chops of Adam Perry Lang, right? I mean, he's a barbecue Hall of Famer. 
not in the guest hall of fame anymore, but we're not going to talk about that. But I don't think Maillard is a way of cooking. I think that's a reaction, a chemical reaction that's taking place as you're putting heat on the meat, like searing temperatures. But he's going to make a play for it. He's calling it reverse Maillard. That's going to be the poll question of the week next week. Should we call reverse sear? Reverse Maillard. Look, we got to go. We'll be right back.